proud members of the Dread Podcast Network. <laughs> I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message to save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay the pie we honor thee from life to Right. Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? What do we want it? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes that is better. Thank you so much for coming to our little group. Thank you. This is a good bite. Lots of chocolate chips. We're so glad to welcome you to another edition of Horror Hookups on Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, Horror Hookups are our special episodes offering interviews with people from the industry. Authors, directors, actors, paranormal investigators, Sasquatch hunters... We've had them all. And today, we welcome two amazing artists from Lucky, the latest terrifying film from Epic Pictures Group and Dread Presents. Lucky is the story of a woman who fights to be believed as she finds herself stalked by a threatening masked man who returns to her house night after night, over and over again, assaulting her and trying to kill her. When she can't get help from those around her, when no one believes her, and when no one does anything to help, she takes matters into her own hands. Lucky stars Bria Grant, who also wrote the film and was directed by Natasha Kermani. Bria and Natasha, welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having us. Gosh, I really want you to do the the trailer or something. The way you described it and your voice, it was That's so great. great. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you what. Thank you. I am available for hire whenever. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Yeah. Welcome to the show. So with any of our new guests, we always want to start with one question um, that kind of helps level set us with you. So what is your two relationship with horror? Did you grow up liking it? Is this something that came later on? What's your relationship with the genre? Yeah, um, I can jump in. Uh, I uh, grew up with a dad who really loved movies. So, um, you know, the early horror stuff uh, was was uh, probably a little bit more in the sci-fi realm, maybe a little less like super bloody slashery. But uh, <laughs> definitely, uh, you know, eventually we sat down and watched Alien, uh, which was uh, super, super influential and memorable, as you may imagine, for, for a little kid. Um, but he was he was pretty much a scaredy cat. So a lot of my horror journey was um, when I was a little bit older and I was sort of going to video stores, those things that used to exist, video stores and venturing into the horror uh, section on my own and sort of um, exploring and, and, you know, finding stuff. Uh, I was a little bit older and, and did that. Um, it was a solo journey. 
<laughs> for myself. And then, um, yeah, and then just really fell in love with it and, and expanding outwards from there and starting to find, you know, international horror and uh, really falling in love with uh, just the huge variety of expression that you can find in the genre. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a fun uh, adventure <laughs> through the genre. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, I had an older brother growing up, which I feel like his, uh, their older brothers love to hand you gateway drugs. And I think that, uh, <laughs> my, my brother, uh, this was a good gateway drug. Uh, you know, uh, was always watching horror stuff, watching Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street or something. And, um, I would watch, I have really distinct memories of watching Tremors with him. And then Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like, I feel like those were two influential things, uh, which, probably say more about me than uh than anything else um and then as I got older I just um kind of kept loving the genre um and then uh entering into coming to Hollywood and and starting to act I just ended up on some genre shows um kind of early in my career and I already liked the genre a lot and and movies and uh, I just it, it kind of like was like a self like a uh, it, kept, it kept it was a it was a reinforcement of of it um, where I kept I you know I liked it but also I kept getting cast in it so I just kind of kept kept consuming more and more of it um, and so it became sort of a staple in my life. Awesome. So Abria, uh, you are the writer of Lucky. Um, can you tell us kind of where you got the idea for this film? Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, I mean, I think. Obviously, in your description, it's and uh, in, in the description y'all did, it is um, about violence against w- women on a very broad scale. Uh, but we took it to this sort of surreal, bizarro place. So I was definitely trying to touch on themes uh, like that. But then I also drew a little bit from my own life. I think uh, this movie was a, a little cathartic for me, working through some stuff I had had um, to deal with a stalker situation, and. Um, this was sort of my outlet and figuring out uh, how to deal with that and, and dealing with, uh, you know, the justice system and the police and, and uh, the court system and, and all of that kind of stuff. I think this, this movie helped me sort of work through that. So I drew a lot from my own life, but also drew from other women in general. I'm, I mean, not to be super dark, but every time I would tell women about what was going on with me, they would all kind of be like, yeah, of course, like, this is just, this is what it's like. <laughs> and they all, all women had this story. And if they don't have the story of, you know, a stalker showing up to their house necessarily, they definitely have a story of being scared, walking home at night or, you know, being out at, a, a, you know, somewhere and you realize you're by yourself or being alone with a guy at a party and realizing that it's a bad, a bad scene. Um, uh, and I think that kind of really struck me the, the more I spoke up about it and the more and more uh the more and more women who related to it hmm. natasha switching to considering how the film was crafted tell us a bit about your strategy when it came to preparing to direct lucky were there any films or filmmakers that inspired you yeah i mean i think first and foremost it was the figuring out and really cementing the arc of the main character may and making sure that all of those beats made sense because the movie is so wild (laughs) it really does turn into this um really sort of unhinged uh you know we we would describe it a lot as sort of like a twilight zone uh version of reality so just making sure that we really understood where she was at any point in the in the script and um you know talking speaking with Bria and making sure we felt super solid about 
um, you know, where the scene was, uh, where the where the scenes were and how they sort of fit together before really running into running headfirst into like the more expressionistic aspects of the film. Um, so really grounding it in the the experience of this main character was the number one mm. thing. It was the number one thing to take into consideration before getting into all the bells and whistles. But, you know, it was really like once once we were super solid on um, her, her journey through the film, then we could really just dial everything up to 11. And, and it was really just about bringing in the right department heads. Um, sure to sort of tackle all the different aspects, you know, visually, orally, uh, you know, the, even the fight choreography and making sure that each of those um, aspects of the film not only, you know, fit in with the main uh, journey of the main character, but the the um, the crescendo of weirdness <laughs> that happens. So that was really important to us cause, because it starts... It starts relatively normal, and then by the end, you're in, like, full weirdo bizarro land. Sure. So I think just really tracking that, making sure all of the departments were on the same page, um, and then just having fun. And, you know, I'm not especially referential. I'm not really that interested in, in recreating things that have already been created. But I think a lot of the film, um, you know, the DNA of a slasher, the DNA of a psychological thriller... Uh, will will show itself. So there's certainly, you know, just um, by proxy of what it is, we're definitely seeing some scream in there. You know, we're definitely seeing some Italian cinema. We're definitely seeing some more expressionistic techniques that maybe you saw, you know, you would see in like a German expressionistic sure. film, uh, you know, stuff like that. So I think all of that... Um, that makes its way through, but always we were always trying to bring it back to the the emotional arc of this main character and and tying everything back to that, um, and then letting ourselves run free. <laughs> yeah, well, and it, and it's 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 so it's so effective what you've done too, and that that, that really leads into this next question. Um, you know, L Lucky is a film that explores a very serious issue but it does it in a really unconventional way. And, you know, just listening to, to both of you uh, describe it as surreal and bizarro, unhinged, sort of like, sort of like, like, like uh, the Twilight Zone. The, the world that you both created in Lucky is one where the ridiculous becomes quite normal and where the topsy-turvy violence just defies reality uh, uh, entirely and sort of creates a new one. Um, talk to us a bit about, you know, telling the story between both of you as the writer and the director um, there, there are many ways to tell a story. Tell us about why this particular strategy is the one that you chose. Why this one you think was the most effective? That's a great question, Natasha. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, Bria, it was. It's all in the script. So pretty much everything on the screen. There were a few things that that we embellished and that you know she had. Um, threads sort of that she had started in the script that we just sort of pulled on <laughs> and you know we we just embellished and we found we dove a little bit more deeply in um, but but overall I think satire is brilliant for this because there is an absurdity to to what we're talking about it is absurd that women are expected to go into shared spaces and be on the defensive you know <laughs> there is a level of of absurdity there, um, while it also is this very sort of heavy um, theme and very heavy topic and very heavy problem, uh, you know, we wanted to sort of go in in a way that uh, started maybe in a, in a more satirical 
place. And then by the end of the film, you really felt the gravity of what we're talking about. Um, mm. So that 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 was interesting. But again, that that all comes from the script. That's all informed from the script. And I think a lot of that is just Bria's natural humor <laughs> and, and just like a, the dark the dark humor that she has as a person. And I think that voice comes through on the page. And then it was really just about um, expressing that and bringing that to the screen for us. Yeah, for sure. And I think it, it's hard um, for me to write something that doesn't have a little bit of humor in it and a little bit of jokes. And, and you know, I've watched a lot of horror movies, so it's I'm going to be pulling from them in a way but what is more interesting to me is trying to take something like a slasher and like and and move into the meta, move into something that is a little bit beyond what we've already seen in the slasher world. And while you're talking, I was thinking about um, and you're sorry, I like lost my train of thought there for a second. But I, I was thinking about how um, horror movies tend to have this like reveal at the end. Right. They have this like. And, and it almost becomes a satire by the end because it's like, and my hook plan all along, I was thinking about like, get out, like, you know, which, which is a satire in some ways. And it's, uh, and at the end they reveal this plan and the plan's been there all along. And what we do with Lucky is we really reveal the plan 10 minutes in. We reveal it so early and, and um, it kind which is kind of like a no, no in horror movies. We're like, this is the movie. The movie is crazy and it's your get ready because we've already told you what the ending is we've already told you what this person is about to experience um and everyone is on board and it's just about this woman's journey trying to figure out if if she is experiencing this and why and what she can do about it and the answer is really nothing not to be give away the ending or to be super nihilistic about it yeah, so that kind of leads me into my next question um, for you, Bria, is what was it like to embody a role like May? I mean, not only with the subject matter and, you know, what you have spoken to with your personal experience, but also given the challenging amount of stunt work, how did you prepare for the role in that way? Well, shout out to my stunt double. Um, there, there's a stunt <laughs> double there. Um, <laughs> uh, I did... Uh, I think we found it from the DVD extras that we're going to have, like where like we did do a one training, a, a stunt day where I learned some stuff, uh, but I cannot take credit for being that athletic. I'm not coordinated at all. Um, and, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it was a tough role to go into. I never thought I was going to when writing it. I thought I would write it and maybe I would direct it. Maybe somebody else would direct it, but I always thought someone else would be, acting in it because I feel like this character is so far away from who I am as a person um uh which is but but then Natasha came in and and the way the movie panned out is they wanted me to be in it and I I wrapped my brain around that and Natasha really I think helped me find that a little bit because she had this really specific vision of what May looked like Mm. and it was very icy blonde and I put extensions in my hair and I got um and I put on a bunch of button-up shirts, which I literally own zero of, <laughs> uh, and and just kind of embodied this person who looks very differently than me and and thinks really differently than me. I I've never been so offended in my life as when I saw when I posted the poster of uh, me with my self-help book, and people were like, "You wrote a self-help book," and I was like, "I'm hilarious. <laughs> never write a self-help book. Hilarious. Like I'm offended that people think that because I think she's such a different character." Than I am, which is the kind of thing I love to write as someone who is very different from me and kind of get to get in her head and explore her. So it, it was, I mean, it was a great experience. I, I really enjoyed it. I feel like, again, it was cathartic in some ways, but also um, 
was a chill set. It was fun. We had we had a good time. Yeah, yeah. And and another thing about the fights is it was really important to us that she wasn't like suddenly like a superhero out of nowhere mm-hmm. who had like super awesome jujitsu skills and stuff. Sure, you know, sure. it was like very very important that she feel just like some normal lady who suddenly has to like fight for her life or, you know, um, react to a situation that she never thought she would be in. And that was a lot of, you know, the, the, the conversations with the stunt coordinator and the stunt double, you know, we didn't want anything to look too slick or too cool. You know, yeah. we really wanted that to feel immediate to the point where we even the casting of the actor who plays the man opposite Bria, we wanted to cast someone who was her match a little bit more mm. physically, more her match. And so he's not like this huge hulking, you know, Michael Myers type. He is a little bit smaller frame. And, you know, all of those decisions were were very grounded. You know, it was like this has to be someone that she could conceivably throw her weight against and actually knock him off balance or um you know he's a little bit posh he's a little bit he gets upset when he gets ruffled you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like all of those things are a reflection of may herself um so if that if that also helps you know inform that that piece about the fights themselves also like just to speak to like uh <laughs> Like the 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 very feminist, like you could tell a woman made this movie because <laughs> Natasha realized early on she was like you would put, you would be wearing your shoes all the time after this, which I'm like oh my god you're right, like, <laughs> yeah. don't you, you would be prepared at the very least by wearing your stupid shoes. Like if someone was coming to your house every night, you would no longer like just be tiptoeing around barefoot in like skimpy pajamas. Like the one night you know one one time you get caught without yeah. shoes, and then after that like. No fucking way. Right. Get those shoes yeah. on. Right. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of the man, um, the, one of the scariest pieces of this movie for me personally uh, was that he didn't make a sound. Like, even when you guys would, uh, you know, rough and tumble, it, he wouldn't grunt or he wouldn't. And it really just, like, it threw me off. And I, I wanted to know if that was, like, a conscious choice that you guys made to kind of give it a little bit of something different. Definitely. That was one of the first um, questions that Hunter, the actor who plays the man, asked me. And um, we really we really didn't want and you know, obviously, if he needs to express himself, then he, he should. But uh, we, we really tried to keep it to a minimum. We actually took out quite a bit in the sound design, um, just the natural sounds of breathing and, and uh, exhalation and effort. Um, yeah, that's very intentional because he is uh, otherworldly. You know, he's he's not of this dimension. So... Uh, that was absolutely, we didn't want him to have any sort of organic sound. And in fact, in the music, um, his sound is entirely percussive. It's all created out, out of a uh, stringed instrument, uh, either like a banging on a cello or a plucking of a string or the playing of the string. But it's we avoided any kind of wind um, instrument or any kind of vocalizations. As compared to Bria's character, May, um, who her sound is completely informed by the female voice. So there's female vocalizations in the music that um, is May's theme in opposition to his sound, which is very percussive. Yeah, it was definitely uh, a choice I had not seen before. And just because, you know, on our show, we watch so many horror movies that you kind of just get used to a certain way. And when that happened, it just like, it it just threw me for a loop. Yeah, Yeah, it is creepy. (laughs) (laughs) It's really creepy. And Hunter was actually pretty good at it, too. Like, he really didn't make very much noise, um, which (laughs) 
<laughs> which was very unsettling. But but I think it's also like, you know, there is a degree that, again, like I was saying, the man is in many ways a reflection of May's fears. And so she's not imbuing him. He shouldn't be imbued with any kind of human quality. He is... He, he, he doesn't breathe, you know, and um, Hunter and I would of, often talk about it. And I, I would describe to him, you know, it's like a toy soldier, if anything, he's like a reanimated, a, an animated toy soldier. And so even in the movements and how he would articulate the way he walks, the way he would look at things, um, we were really trying to take any organic element away. Yeah. Um, so here on Friday the 13th, uh, we know that it, it is a show that explores the horrors in real life and in the movies. And our listeners are keenly aware that horror is not just an escape, but can be a medium that inspires action and change in our world. Um, what is the impact that you hope Lucky will have on viewers? Well, I think we've already had some really wonderful conversations out of it. I think Brie and I both are not interested in giving answers or instructions. Sure. <laughs> but rather, you know, just more um, uh, putting it out there, right? And saying, hey, look, here's a situation. Here's what do you think of this this woman's choices? They weren't all good and they weren't all bad. Let's talk about the nuance. Let's talk about, you know, what what did she do that you disagree with? What do you do that, what did she do that you disagree with, but you understand, you know, like finding those more layered complex conversations um, is what drew me initially to Bria's script. And hopefully, you know, is what people can take away as well. For sure. I mean, yeah, that was really important to me is to put someone at the center of the movie who was not perfect and didn't make perfect decisions. It's not supposed to be uh, a, a prescriptive. It's not supposed to be a movie where you watch it and you're like, great. Like I, if I, as long as I stay a virgin cheerleader forever, I'll survive. <laughs> I, I, it's a movie in which you can, the, this, you have this woman who has to not only face down a, a killer or, a, you know, a slasher. She also has to face down all of these beliefs that she's carried with her for so long that have served her. And now she has to, by the end of the movie, hopefully if you went one frame further, maybe she starts to question those beliefs. Um, and also at the same time, I think uh, Natasha and I've had a lot of conversations with people, uh, with men in particular, who are like, you know, this movie kind of opened my eyes to the way there is a lot of violence. And uh, Natasha, I think, I can't remember who told, the, you, you told the story and someone said this to us, but they were, were like, oh, now I understand maybe why my girlfriend doesn't want to take the trash out at night, you know, by herself. And like something like that is just a, I mean, that's a very simple takeaway from the movie that I'm really happy that, that people get. And, you know, to recognize that they're, we're being heard, I think is also like, I mean, I've had a lot of women say like, Oh, I really see myself in this. And I see the frustrations. And I know I was frustrated when I was dealing uh, with something similar with a similar situation. I want to take us back um, about a year from today. And as folks will recognize when this drops, this episode drops, um, it's basically a year of the pandemic in America. And about a year ago, both of you uh, were in a piece uh, in Variety talking about South by Southwest and, you know, of course, how Lucky was a part of it in the Midnighters. Um, and South by Southwest was just, you know, largely canceled last year. And, you know, Bria, we'll start with you. Uh, in that piece in Variety, you you wrote about... Uh, your experiences, and you wrote about your father, too. Um, and you said this, you said, self-quarantining when sick has been a part of my life for the last eight years because he is part of my life. 
and I haven't seen him now in two weeks. This is what we do as members of a society. We sacrifice for the greater good. We stay home so other people can have a chance. Can you tell us a bit about how getting through this pandemic over the last year has been for you, um, you know, as, as, a, as an artist, but also as a daughter, as a family member, as a, as a human? Tell us about that. Um, yes. How, yes. It has been hard. Um, oh, God. <laughs> I don't want to get too emotional. Um, I, uh, so it, it was, it's hard. Um, uh, I haven't seen my dad since Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, I was able to go up there at Thanksgiving. Um, and it was sort of a special treat mm. that I did get to do that. Um, uh, my dad has Alzheimer's and he has for many years and, um, he also got COVID. Uh, which was this one, I mean, honestly, scariest day of my life. I was, um, completely inconsolable. Uh, <laughs> it, it was, uh, mm-hmm. it was horrifying. Um, yeah. so yeah, the year's been tough. I mean, it's funny you bring that up because I feel like a lot of people are like, what have you been doing for the past year? And I'm like, you know, in part, I, I am very guilty of throwing myself into work. I think I'm very guilty of, of being like, well, if I can just, stay on a schedule, if I can just wake up in the morning and work out and do my writing and do all this, then like the day will end and I will not (laughs) be in a sheer panic. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and that's mostly what I've done. Um, but yeah, the year's been, the year's been rough. I mean, you know, about a year ago, actually, Natasha, we were at a restaurant celebrating that we were going to go to South by Southwest. I know. Just sent Natasha the fo- photo. I know. And then I think it was the next day we were somewhere or a couple days later and we got the word that it had been canceled. We just went straight to a bar uh, <laughs> and started drinking because <laughs> we were uh, pretty, pretty down. I mean, we had already, you know, rented our apartments, uh, rented clothes, gotten our plane tickets. Like we were ready to go. And for me, it would have been my first. So, I mean, my first solo credit as a writer on a big screen, I co-wrote my first movie. Um, and, uh, and, and so that was going to, I mean, that was a huge, huge deal for me that I was really looking forward to. So, yeah, I mean, I, and in some ways, like, ready for this to be over in some ways I think I can appreciate some of it because it has made me a bit more reflective hopefully sure. but again I will say I, I'm guilty of just becoming a workaholic in some ways and uh trying not to pay attention to, to all yeah you always stayed busy you always this this woman stays busy that's what I always say about Bria Grant you'll never I catch lo- her lo- not I busy a- I am busy. I like being busy. <laughs> oh, but, but, Otherwise, too much reflecting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Bria, 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 thank you for sharing that. And you know, I listen. I I share your fears. My my mom has Parkinson's, and she also got COVID. It was an inconsolable day when that happened. Aww. So I totally understand where you were coming yeah. from with that. Well, and I think also, I mean, I'm sure you relate to this, but the media was so. Uh, you know, basically, it was like it's a death sentence. Oh, you totally. Know? And so, right. exactly. And. and and, you know, and you know, you're not allowed in the hospital. And right. the first thing I do when my dad goes to the hospital, which is often, yeah. is uh, is I go pack up my backpack because I know I'm going to be there for, you know, however long. I bring my computer. I'm ready to work so I can sure, sit in the sure. hospital chair. And I packed up my backpack and I called and I was like, great, what room is he in? And they're like, you you can't come to the hospital. Oh, it's COVID. God. We're in quarantine. Oy. And I was like, what? <laughs> it's something I can't control. This is awful. Yeah, and right. uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I was I was um, 
yeah, well, sorry, I'm sorry about that. That's a, it's a really, it's, it's a horrifying experience, I think, for all of us. Yeah, yeah. Now, Natasha, in the in the same article for Variety, you wrote, while it is tempting to mourn what we've lost and the disruption that's rippled through our lives, I do think there is an opportunity to reflect on what it is that we want out of our community and out of our work. Without the arts, our society's spirit dies. Kind of the same question for you, you know, nearly a year later, how have you been getting through this either creatively or however you deal with these kind of situations? Yeah, um, I mean, much I, I am similar to Bria. I think a lot of a lot of filmmakers, <laughs> people in this industry like to be busy. So definitely finding structure, um, you know, being a little more self-reliant, finding structure within yourself and within the sort of work that you want to be doing and, and doing with your day. Um I will say, you know, I think, I hope that um, there's a lot of very unsafe practices in this industry, and they're certainly not all going to go away. But I hope that there's there is a sense of, you know, coming back to the work with a little bit more heightened awareness. And, um, you know, crews are always incredibly important to me. Uh, I came up through crew, and um, especially in genre, unfortunately, and in indie uh, you know, the crew is not always taken care of. And, and I hope that when we come back to work, we come back to work with a little bit more awareness and, um, you know, respect for <laughs> the time and, and people's health. And, um, you know, it won't be perfect, but I, I, that is my hope. And that is something that I am even more, you know, focused on and really thinking like, do I really, really, really want to do this job? Do I really want to tell this story? Is this really important to me? Um, I think that those questions sometimes get pushed under the rug a little bit when you're just busy, busy, going, 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 and, uh, you know, do this, keep working, blah, blah, blah. And when you're forced to sort of sit and in the quiet (laughs) and really like look at yourself and your, what's on your desk, um, you know, just being a little bit more thoughtful, I think, would would benefit, uh, you know, myself as an individual, but also our industry as a whole. Yeah, that's great. That's that's very good insight. Um, well, I just wanted to congratulate both of you on the stellar movie that's coming out with Lucky. Um, and uh, th- uh, we just really appreciate you being able to share your art with us. Thank you. Thank you for having Thank us. You. And so tell us a little bit about, you know, besides Lucky, which we're so excited for dropping on Shutter. Everyone is going to see it. All of our listeners will watch it, I can guarantee you. And what else is coming up for both of you? Tell us what's next. <laughs> uh, hopefully uh, more horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I would like to work with Natasha again. Yeah. Um, we got to find another good Natasha, project. Natasha books. I'm like, let's option this book. Let's try to do this. Uh, always trying to get her we're both big sci-fi nerds like we both love like space stories and that kind of stuff so we'd love to find something um you know in that space would be really fun you know space of space okay that's that's great to hear i'm a space horror fanatic and like the next the next great space horror film has just not been made yet so i hope it comes from you two yeah that's like probably my favorite subgenre It's so cool. So yeah, we're we're always looking for for like tasty, you know, stories, short stories or books or whatever. Bria is a really avid reader, which I appreciate. 
Well, Bria and Natasha, thanks so much for being on the show with us today. Folks out there listening, Lucky is on AMC's Shutter platform literally right now. So stop what you're doing and go watch it. Um, as always, if you want to learn more about Friday the 13th, become a Patreon patron or buy some merch, visit us on our brand new updated website at Friday13.com. Thanks for being with us on another horror hookup on Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. And as always, don't forget to get slayed. Get slayed.